Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, welcoming you to this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. This is Sunday, December 15th, just barely, getting the podcast up just a little before midnight this time, um, as I just returned from Nashville, Tennessee, where I attended and participated with friends and loved ones in the memorial service for Byron Simpson, who, as some of you will know or remember, died uh, a month ago, exactly. The talk that I'm sharing with you this week actually comes from that memorial service, um, partly because that's where my writing time um, was spent this week, and more importantly, because this topic is extremely relevant to the topics that we discuss on an ongoing basis on this podcast and that we study week after week. It is hopefully particularly useful if you or someone you know has lost a person who was one of those major structural sources of support in your life. Um, So I hope that you find it useful. And then on an ongoing basis, you're welcome to access any of our offerings. Um, You can keep up with those by taking a look at our website, deepsouthdharma.org, and you can subscribe there if you like um, for when we have occasional additions on the blog of upcoming retreats, things like that. Also, on that page, you can find the link to our Wednesday evening Zoom group, where we have just brief meditation and check-in, and the rest of that time on Wednesday these days is spent um, in studying the book Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, which is a really rich experience. That's for anyone, anywhere in the world. Um, Wednesday at 7.30 Central Time, I should say. Central Time. And then if you happen to be in the Oxford, Mississippi or surrounding area, you're always welcome to join us on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for the Oxford Practice Group, where we have a lengthier time of meditation in that group um, and a brief topic offering and then time for discussion. So we have a um, deeply dedicated and quickly growing community of folks there. So hope to see you there. For now, we'll listen to the talk called Resolve, when we lose a major source of support. One month that has passed since Byron Simpson's death, what stands out to me the most is the number of people who have shared stories of his having been at their side during some life-changing, life-defining moment, even more than the many I already knew of. It almost made me think, how was that all that possible? Because he wasn't a person that ran around looking overly busy. He never really let you know everything that he had going on, and when he was with you, he was present, 
time slowed down. He participated in so many things, but he managed to be connected to people in such meaningful ways, whether it was about our joys or our concerns. Some of it was Byron's spontaneous thoughtfulness that allowed him to be efficient, I guess you would say. It wasn't unheard of to get a text from him inviting you for coffee at Waffle House late at night if he suspected you were not sleeping and might want company while you waited for an update about some crisis unfolding in a loved one's life. And some of it was his warm-heartedness and his willingness to include you in going to dinner or movies or sometimes to an escape room that could feel a little bit too much like work. At the same time, it was completely possible for Byron to float an idea for something really fun for the upcoming weekend and get several people involved in a text chain, get them totally on board, and then for him to say, okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to go yet. (laughs) I'll find out what's going on this weekend, and if I'm able to, I'll confirm later this week. And of course, you'd be like whiplash. But... This was because part of his efficiency in doing all the many things he did and being with people was having a plan B set up in just this way. Now, it might sound like I'm saying there was a lack of commitment, and that's not the case. Plan A was the commitment. Plan A was to be accessible to his family, especially on any given weekend where one or more of his sons would be available. Now that they were grown, it was possible and totally developmentally appropriate that they might be busy or out of town, hence the plan B. Byron was going to have a nice weekend no matter what, but if any combination of Dylan, Noah, and or Bennett were in town and free, Byron's first interest was taking that opportunity to spend the time with them along with Jim and in between visits to Jim's mother when she was still alive. I'd also say there was a plan A.1. Plan A.1 was being on call to other families who were seeking help for their loved ones. Byron was hilarious and playful and had enough extra dad energy to give a group of his middle-aged friends our own personal fire extinguishers one Christmas. The weekend before Byron died, he and I were at a meditation retreat together on the 10 qualities of a beautiful human being, which are a list of qualities that when fully developed represent the best of us, and more than that, represent more power for doing good than we can normally imagine. Byron was particularly taken with the quality called resolve, sometimes rendered as determination and he explored the topic of resolve deeply during the retreat and in the days after. At the end of the day, we made plans, tentative plans, of course, for breakfast on Sunday morning before I was to leave to return to Mississippi, where I live now. Later that night, he texted to confirm that he would be joining the 9 a.m. breakfast at Bellevue Diner, and I replied, teasing by text, are you resolved? And he replied with two letters, ha, as in, aren't you so funny?
So all of this is to say that while he had a full life of his own, Byron was not just ornamental for any of us. He was part of our structure, part of the posts and beams with which many of us framed our lives. And of course, we know intellectually that the structures of our lives are impermanent. We know that wallpaper peels and tapestries fade. Furniture becomes worn and stained. But we do tend to expect the post and beams to stand long after the sheetrock has crumbled. It really shakes things up for us to realize that even those people who have been part of the structure of how we live and see ourselves and our lives, that they go too. And the shifting is not just cosmetic, but cataclysmic. We know we can't replace what we've lost. Now that one of our weight-bearing posts has fallen, the rest of us who bear weight with each other rearrange ourselves a bit, coming closer here, spacing ourselves there, to keep the sky from falling. And of course, there are some parts of the sky that will just need to fall for a while, and that's appropriate. All of this bears witness to the fact that we need more than our fragile bodily structures to shelter us. And we all have our various ways, some traditional, some non-traditional, of finding or building structures that can support and outlast us. The writer David Kessler reminds us that people die, but relationships don't die. Love doesn't die. I hear in that some reassurance that we will find that it was not the sense of shelter or sense of refuge in each other that was an illusion. It will be this sense we have of the fallen sky that is the illusion. Those of us who grieve Byron will not cease to grieve him, but we will find a way through this wounded, painful time to live with our grief and to be borne up by those things that cannot die, our relationship to our loved one, and those things that Byron was full of, things like love, integrity, humility, creativity, generosity, and sure, resolve. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.